Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I want to give a little bit of a content warning for Mm -hmm. this show that we talk a lot about a lot of edgy things. And we've certainly talked about consensual non-consent on the show before, but we're really going to dive into it on the show. So if you need to not listen to the show for that reason, or you're not sure how it's going to make you feel, or you need to like take the space to listen to it in a way that you want, or if you... I just want to like really validate that and say that it's okay. And that if anybody wants to reach out to me because they're curious about the content of this show and understanding the topic, but concerned that it is going to be triggering in a way that makes it not something that they care to listen to, reach out to me and we will try to figure out a way for you to get resources on the topic that make you feel safe. Do you have any recommendations for that while while we're talking about it? If people are interested in the topic but concerned about being triggered, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. they should go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish that there was a resource. We're missing a lot of yeah. the intersection of trauma and kink. Um, but I can recommend things on trauma. <laughs> so if folks are interested in learning how to heal trauma through their body, which is what this is. Yeah, um, and what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the book Waking the Tiger Ooh. is about somatic experiencing, which is the theory that we hold this kinetic energy that has, we have this inherent ability of being able to move it through our bodies to mm-hmm. work through trauma. That book, you could definitely do a lot of reading kink into it. The book, I can't remember who wrote this, but it's called The Body Heals Itself, which Mm. is not The Body Keeps a Score. Different book. (laughs) It's written by a woman, and it's about the different parts of our bodies and what emotional sort of, like, epicenters are there. So if you're, like, curious about how to work through some particular kinds of emotional pain, it can show you, like, where on the body to focus, which I think could, could be certainly read into that. And then I also love, for understanding trauma, the complex PTSD workbook, which is a really beautiful tool to use to understand the impact of complex trauma and trauma in general. Complex trauma is when it's more about the attachment with caregivers. Mm. And then also, if you are someone who is wanting to learn more about the impact of interpersonal violence or emotional abuse, the book The Betrayal Bond is a really important read. Thank you for... Mm -hmm. I love... 
like we were saying before, I love it when someone uh, shows up with a syllabus in mind. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. And, yeah. and I guess the last thing that I will say content warning wise is that this is definitely going to be a discussion of consent that is going to be compassionate towards survivors and looking for a way for us all to heal as individuals and in our relationships and in society. Mm -hmm. So if that is comforting to know going into something that may be a, a minefield that we are trying to be careful even as we are trying mm -hmm. to be to push the boundaries of how this topic can be covered. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm so good. Still good? Yes. <laughs> Still good on the mic. Fantastic. <laughs> so for those who have not listened to my Interrobang episode with Andrea, I'm going to read your bio again. Andrea Glick, LMSW, which stands for Licensed Mistress of Social Work or maestro or master, you know, whatever, depending on the day. Uh, Andrea is a psychotherapist, somatic healer, sex educator, and witch. Andrea specializes in treating trauma and PTSD for queer and trans folks using body-based and feminist therapy practices to help clients come home to themselves. Andrea practices at the Gender and Sexuality Therapy Collective in New York City. How's it going? And your lipstick is, as usual, on point. Oh, thank you. I put it on just for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I feel like probably <laughs> you're always wearing lipstick for yourself or someone. I Okay, I'll, I'll accept the compliment. Yeah, yeah. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked a lot on your Interrobang episode about your therapy practice. Mm -hmm. And for your Why Are People Into That episode... When we were when we were talking about the topic that we wanted to cover, I was thinking about how amazing it is that your therapy practice is focused on healing trauma through BDSM. And we started up for obvious reasons that got us started talking about consent. Mm -hmm. And I have not yet done an episode that is specifically about what is known in the kink world as consensual non-consent. Some people might refer to it as rape fantasy or ravishment fantasy. Mm -hmm. That can look a lot of different ways. But one place that I would really love to start mm -hmm. is unpacking what we mean by consensual non-consent but also in 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 what ways something that seems so dark could have mm -hmm. the potential to be not only arousing but healing yes. for so many people. So let's start with what is your definition of consensual non-consent? I would say that consensual non-consent is a scene or a dynamic that mm. has been pre-negotiated. Very crucial. <laughs> at length. Yes. That has room for consent to be played around with. And mm -hmm. that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like saying no. And meaning yes. Mm -hmm. It can look like um, age play. It can yeah. look like having a very strong narrative arc about the scene, this is going to recreate this, or this is going to follow this story that we have. Which might be something that has happened to 
the players or mm-hmm. it might be an invocation of right. a story or a dynamic or a character mm-hmm. or an archetype from from pop culture or literature or something a little bit more of an archetype like the archetype between like the like principal of an mm-hmm. Eng- all boys English school and the like boys that got caught smoking in the totally. bathroom. Yeah, and it can be as surface or as deep as people would like it to be, too, totally. which I think is really important. We think about like resisting and then giving in, mm-hmm. right? Very hot. That's consensual non-consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not always this really particular narrative. It's not always about playing with I don't even want to use violence because to mm-hmm. to me to me and this is this is semantics, but for me violence is a is a word that has non-consent woven into it, mm, right? Yeah. So when talking about BDSM, talking about things that unconsensually might be seen as violence, I prefer to use words like force or mm-hmm. or or power. Or power or even you in our other interview you use the term kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or it, a fantasy of coercion or mm-hmm. a fantasy of manipulation or a right. fantasy of control. Mm-hmm. So those things can be super intense and mm-hmm. playing with non-consent, power play, power dynamics, and and playing with control mm-hmm. can be about a sort of like push and pull in the way that like that that a uh, that partner dancing has pushing and pulling mm, and totally. and resisting and you know pr- pressing on yeah. someone and pressing back yes yeah it's a very physical experience and we were talking right about the body being in touch with your body and sex and king can feel more intensified by more physical resistance, right? Yeah, but it can also be psychological resistance. Oh, yeah, totally. Or it can all be, you could be having, you could be playing in the same way that you would otherwise play, but bring in an element of a, like a fantasy of mm-hmm. non-consent, which then transforms the activities that you were playing with or the sex that you were having into something that might be super charged with right. that fantasy of non-consent. Right. And I think most people have fantasies around feeling in control or mm. feeling out of control. Totally. And consensual non-consent is very much a part of that. Yeah. hmm So one thing that off mic we were talking about being extremely important to any discourse about consensual non-consent is really being explicit and breaking down this thing that this dynamic that may feel more intuitive for some folks than others or may feel Mm -hmm. intuitive when you have more experience with BDSM or if you are naturally inclined towards it or oriented towards it. This this idea of negotiating a scene or a scenario or a container of some kind mm-hmm. in which, put in the simplest terms possible, you say no and you mean yes. Right. It's a it's about consciously 
enthusiastically, mm-hmm. consenting to acknowledging how how charged that thing is, right? Yeah. What it's not is being manipulative, playing hard to get, mm-hmm. playing mind games, mm-hmm. trying to elicit a certain kind of response so mm-hmm. that you feel desired, lie, you know, lying, not like not taking no for an answer and continuing to push uh, mm-hmm. and, and like enjoying that mm-hmm. push and pull and that give and, and thinking that that's what seduction is and that's what flirtation is right. and that sex is all about like pushing and pushing and pushing until someone mm-hmm. surrenders or, or, mm-hmm. or like acquiesces. I think that we see those scenarios romanticized in movies Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. And I think that hardcore porn that depicts some element of force or resistance Mm -hmm. takes a lot of flack and is an overdetermined scapegoat for... Mm. The perpetuation of rape culture when in many ways movies like The Notebook, where the entire dynamic of the romance is Ryan Gosling won't take no for an answer. And that like really works Rachel McAdams up for like a really long time. And then they like have this like epic love story where they like can't get enough of each other. To me, the role the the role that consent has to transform something from manipulative abuse into fun and pleasure mm-hmm. and healing and mm-hmm. just like the all the good stuff is conceptually like easy for me to understand but it clearly is not mm-hmm. easy for us to understand as a society and I also right. don't want to underestimate the fact that even somebody who plays with this stuff a lot and works with this stuff a lot Mm -hmm. and thinks about this stuff a lot, like, doesn't mean that I always know the difference Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way. So I guess one question is, Mm -hmm. how can we tell the difference between consensual, kinky, non-consent play Mm -hmm. and... Yeah. True literal manipulation and abuse mm-hmm. and coercion and rape. Yeah. yeah. How do we know the difference? Right. The <laughs> like it's called consensual non-consent for a really specific reason. Right. It is perhaps the most necessary to I won't say the most. It's up there yeah. for the most amount of discussion. Yeah. And check-ins and planning um out of all fantasies. So the difference is that it is deeply renegotiated yes. and there are so many things in place to help the person feel safe. Both people, both people, all the peoples. Yeah, all the people. There, right? yeah. Feel safe, feel secure, safe words, aftercare. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, but discussing with your partner why it's a fantasy of yours, mm-hmm. yeah. whether you're the top or the bottom. Mm-hmm. Really getting to interrogate that together about like, yeah, why does this turn me on? For yeah. example, like... If you are a white cis man who is really interested in being the top in a consensual non-consent rape fantasy, you have a lot of thinking to do about why. Yeah. Um, And I suggest doing a lot of that before acting on it. You know, very similar for 
people who are survivors, right? Yeah. Like have a conversation with your partner or with yourself or with your therapist or with all of them about what what is this going to be like? Um, why do you want this? How can you be reminded that this is safe and this is not going to be similar to what happened in the past? Mm-hmm. And that is where... I think a lot of the healing can come in, too, is when you rewrite your narrative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is an idea in therapy of a corrective emotional experience Mm. uh, or physical experience where the same thing happens again, but there's a different outcome. Mm -hmm. It's also called a mismatch. Again, not all consensual, non-consent fantasies mirror someone's rape or mirror someone's trauma. Mm -hmm. But um, even if it's like similar themes that are there, this time you are choosing it, this time you are cared for, this time you are getting pleasure, right? So that is a very corrective experience. And so framing it that way and also working through, like we talked about with shame, that that is an important thing to work through is having shame about having this fantasy, about wanting this, being able to work through that. So it's it's so different because there's a lot of self-exploration that goes into this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negotiation. There are a lot of boundaries that are in place. And everybody's consenting. That is that is the biggest difference is that people are – everybody's on board. Everybody has signed up for this. So consensual non-consent, a little wordy, a little <laughs> seemingly – it is – in the truest sense of the word, a a paradox. And Mm -hmm. yet so much of desire is a paradox and playing, playing with uh, the yeses that mean no's and the no's that mean yeses Mm -hmm. and the feeling good when someone calls you bad and (laughs) is both the topic of this show and the sort of object of the, the why in the name of the show. And also something that we ultimately, I don't know, that is ultimately an elusive mystery. And mm-hmm. in any case, the the more that we that we that we study it in in culture and in science and in the kinds of conversations that we're having right now, mm-hmm. we may feel that we understand it, but we have to accept that there's no there's never gonna be a formula mm-hmm. that works for everyone. Totally. But what, what, so why, why? I mean, why are, why are people into consensual non-consent? Or like, mm-hmm. why, why do we even call it that? Why does that yeah. exist? Like, why mm-hmm. are we, yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's my question. I wish I remember where I read this. So this is like very <laughs> not academic of me. I, I believe this is the most common fantasy amongst. When I had Dr. Justin Lay Miller on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he is a, social psychologist and recently wrote a book called Tell Me What You Want, and he's a fellow at the Kinsey Institute. Mm -hmm. He did a a very recent study of sexual fantasies. That's what Tell Me What You Want is about. And I I can't remember off the top of my head Mm -hmm. what the exact stat was, but but something that he talks about at length is how incredibly common that is as a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between a fantasy and something that you actually want to play with. True. Right. So this is first off to normal. I think that's a huge thing is normalizing this. This is, if not the most common fantasy fantasies, one of the most common fantasies. I think that's something that a lot of people, uh, women in particular, have this burden of thinking they're the only ones that want this. Something is mm-hmm. seriously wrong with me. I must be bad if I want this. Um, it's very common. It's very N- quote normal whatever the fuck Nor- that means. Well, normal in the sense that it's that that many 
it's common. It's like, com- yeah. common. Like, yeah. uh, not, not like a, like common, like common people, like a commoner, but like yeah. it's common. Like <laughs> yes. many people have this fantasy. Yeah. And also, like having the fantasy, like having that, the desire, like wanting to think about non consensual situations or uses of force or rape. And however it manifests, while you masturbate, while you get aroused, while you get off, or thinking about it or acting it out during sex in a scene, doesn't mean that you want it to literally happen to you. Yes. Uh, You you know, whether it's happened before Mm -hmm. and you are thinking about it in an arousal context, it doesn't mean that you are broken forever because you want it to happen again. Like, just because it's coming up. And bringing up a lot mm-hmm. of strong emotions, including maybe becoming associated with good feelings, like mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't mean that you want to do it, or that you mm-hmm. want it to happen to you. Yes, yep, that's a really because that counts point. for people who have fantasies of being the the top or the person using the force. That doesn't mm-hmm. using the force using using force. Yeah, in <laughs> a, in a scene. Now I'm definitely imagining a Jedi <laughs> non consent scene. Of someone using the Force, but anyway, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Some I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about Adam Driver now, but anyway, um, yes, right. So (laughs) yes, just because it's a fantasy doesn't mean that it's something you want to actually happen to you. Just Mm -hmm. like all fantasies, right? And just because you want to be the top in that scenario doesn't make you a bad person. Totally. Or you may not have to be worried that this will happen on accident. Mm. um, In Obviously, again, like especially I think for tops to be really self – not self-critical, like criticizing, but just really like being really interested in where this desire is coming from and what the purpose serves for you yeah. I think is a way to really unpack that and will kind of lessen the the shame and the, the questions of what it means to want this and also that – just like with all fantasies, we're, we're just talking about power and who has the power or who has the control. And that's a very common thread in a lot of different kink and sex dynamics. Um, and this is just a, another way of going about redistributing control. I'm thinking about also consent with regards to fantasies and the life of the mind and, and solo play and mm-hmm. masturbation. It, like if you have a fantasy of non-consent and you're thinking about it when you're masturbating and you're getting aroused or you're getting off on the idea of raping, being raped. It's interesting to think about where the consent comes into that. I almost want to use the word permission instead of consent, like with yourself, yeah. like giving yourself permission to indulge in that fantasy, mm-hmm. enjoy that fantasy, get off in that fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that leads me to my next question, which is if you're having those fantasies and you want to give yourself permission to have them and enjoy them, what are some good questions to be asking mm-hmm. yourself to understand the difference between, yeah. like, you may feel disturbed by mm-hmm your own mind and your own desire. But so what are some questions that you can start to explore in order to give yourself permission to enjoy those fantasies mm-hmm. if you want or yes, act out those fantasies mm-hmm. with a partner, which again, there's a difference between wanting to play with something consensually versus mm-hmm. 
actually wanting that to literally happen, like there to right. be like only non-consent, not consensual non-consent. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. So understanding what is hot about it. Right? Yeah, what's hot and about it? So like, yeah, f- I think we're focusing on, I think, a lot the the bottom in this scene, but just sure. In- yeah, what is hot about not being in control? What is hot about someone taking it? Mm-hmm. What is hot about feeling used? What is hot about not having a say, right? Like there are a lot of things about that that are really sexy and that you can find in the notebook, right? Like, sure. you know, like the, those things are, are, I mean, God, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but like, right, Fifty Shades of Grey sure. started for, you know, like better or for worse in a lot of ways, this like sexual revolution amongst 40 to, I don't know, something women in the suburbs, right? Like, people want this. People want to feel owned. People want to feel like someone is going to, like, take what they need. Like, that, that mm. those things are sexy. So, like, what is hot about it? Instead of, like, um, what's fucked up about it? <laughs> yeah. Right? To focus a little more on, like, what is sexy. Yeah, you're already there with the fucked upness if you're fantasizing about it, right? Like, like no need to like. <laughs> yeah, do, we I don't mean, need to focus on that. Yeah, right? we don't need to dwell yeah. <laughs> on that. It's like you're already you you somatically yeah. understand yes. the mm-hmm. the charge of what is fucked up about it. So maybe the thing yes. to explore is what's hot about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I think also to examine where it comes from in The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Oh. She writes a lot. Great book. She writes Please. a lot about this, about how the first sex, quote, sex scenes she was exposed to as a little girl were all rape scenes in mm-hmm. movies, which mm-hmm. I can certainly relate to. Sure. And sexuality, as we all know, does not develop in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And so, right, these seeds were planted when we were really, really little. And for better or for worse, here they are. Yeah. Right? And so, of course, you're going to be interested in this um, with what you have been exposed to. The, like, first movies or the first things that got you excited Mm -hmm. um, were probably not sex scenes. Like, maybe you weren't allowed to watch them when you were little, but you were allowed to watch. um, Like, I always think about this. I remember watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang when I was a little girl. And the I think the kids get kidnapped and locked in a cage. Oh, and yeah. I remember being like, well, something's happening. Right? But like, <laughs> you know, but like I wasn't watching like sex scenes as a little girl, but like I had that's what I had to work with, right? And it was sure. like power and control. Mm. Or, like these are the themes, right? And so you can find them in like uh, most like Disney movies. <laughs> like they're there, right? Like so totally. this is what we have to work with. And also how fucking in how resilient mm. we are mm. as queer people, as women to take this thing that's been like either happened to us or we were the first thing that we heard about sex was as little kids is don't get raped right, right. like and then it's on you right <laughs> totally um and to live in the world that we live in where it is a very real situation that that could happen to you at any moment and to fetishize it yeah and make it our own yes and create our own narratives around it and process the honestly trauma of living in rape culture through fantasizing and like it's fucking with it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. let's fuck with it right back yeah (laughs) well you know i mean when i started to really notice that i was having a lot of rape fantasies in my mid-20s something that i was able to and because i'm me i like went straight to the like What's the, what's going on here? Uh, because that's like fun to think about mm-hmm. um, for me. A conclusion that I was able to come to pretty quickly 
was that there was something in that fantasy that had to do with someone being so desirous of Mm. me and my body Mm -hmm. that they don't care Mm -hmm. about the things that you're supposed to care about as a civilized human being. They don't care if I want it. They don't care if they're being moral or ethical or legal or doing the right thing. They just want me so bad mm-hmm. that they will stop at nothing mm-hmm. to fuck me. Yeah. Um, it's like the ultimate feeling desired yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's really complicated because wouldn't it be nice and this is a real question, not a rec- or, or mm-hmm. not a rhetorical question. Like, would uh, maybe I'll say it like this: Would it be nice for me to be able to access that feeling of being utterly desired without the fantasy that that person is violating me? Right. I don't know. I mean, it's like you were saying earlier. Like, we don't. I don't know what it is like to have not grown up. In a patriarchal yeah. society, right? So, right. Um, so, and even you know, even if we see the revolution in our lifetimes, yeah. like you know, I will never know. Yeah, I will yes. never know what it's like to have not to double negative, but I will never mm-hmm. know what it's like to have not grown up with that. Yes, yeah, that yeah, that's another part of the the Argonauts that I think a lot about and that I talk about with clients is um, something about how we will never be able to talk about, like, inherent or natural female sexuality mm-hmm. or um, because, because there, right, there is no way of doing that. Like, we just don't know. We will never know what right. that looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't that kind of, like, beside the point? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're all, like, dealing with different nature and nurture influences. And mm. that is, like, part of what makes. Totally. That's, like. That's like what you know. You have a crush on someone because they are the the result of a, a million tiny little influences mm-hmm. that has made them who they are. That's like what makes us desirous, yeah. and that's what makes a, like chemistry between people. That's like part of the human condition. So trying to like I don't know, trying to yeah. separate it just sort of seems like. Maybe one day when we have sex robots, we'll, we'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Artificial human consciousness right. separate from social influence. But anyway, but they still would have, will have been programmed by people who grew up in society. So anyway. Oh, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So your therapy practice focuses in part on helping people to heal from trauma, Mm -hmm. 
and you specialize in using BDSM as a, as a tool or a practice in one's personal life to heal from trauma. Mm-hmm. Now, power play and control play and the sort of mind fuck of consensual non-consent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is often a part of BDSM and manifests in lots of different activities and lots of different dynamics. So with regards to your practice, let's take a step back and say like BDSM power play, Mm -hmm. like how can BDSM power play be healing for trauma? Yeah. I, it has a lot to do with that idea of the corrective emotional experience Mm -hmm. in the sense that you are choosing what happens to you. You are being cared for because hopefully with kink comes a lot of pre and post care for both the top and bottom. Yeah. You are getting to experience being in your body Mm -hmm. and feeling safe there, feeling not shamed for your desires, Mm -hmm. feeling like you can trust somebody Mm -hmm. with your body, especially if there's any kind of restraint, emotional or physical happening, you are like really trusting someone. Yeah. And you are getting to reenact maybe things that have happened to you and that have different endings, Mm -hmm. um, that has pleasure involved Mm -hmm. instead of pain. Mm -hmm. And just, God, like just being connected to your physical existence, right? Like you are, we are perhaps the most connected to ourselves in these moments and in these scenes when a lot of people, trauma survivors and not, live in day-to-day dissociation. Yeah. Well, that actually reminds me of another reason that consensual non-consent is hot to me, to a lot of people, I think, is that you don't have to, when you're the bottom in that scenario, you don't have to make any choices. (sighs) Yeah, what a relief. Yeah, you're not you're not responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. You are only reacting. Mm-hmm. And 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 this goes back to what I was saying before that you're reacting in a state of this like implicit trust, not only of mm-hmm. the person that they are going to, that they are ultimately not trying to harm you and they, they ultimately yeah. do want to take care of you, but you're also trusting that the thing that they're doing is definitely the thing that they want. I'll say that for me, like bottoming in a consensual non-consent scene is healing for me because it it helps me to get out of the sexual headspace of thinking that I have to be in control or thinking that I have to make the decisions or thinking that in order for it to be good sex that I have to be the one that's good at sex, Mm -hmm. you know, or like also worrying or wondering like, does this person really want this? Does this person really Mm -hmm. want me? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, really give in. You're, you're really just giving in. And, and for the top in the scenario too, Mm. Especially if that person has experienced powerlessness, which mm. for many of us, that is the case, right? Yeah. You get to feel powerful over yeah. someone 
who has given you that, right? Yes. It's not like a gross power play at work or some shit like that, right? No. It is like you getting to feel powerful, you getting to feel um, like something is yours, uh, getting to experience, yeah, like a true physical sensation of of power. Yeah. That's so healing if that has been something that you've literally never experienced before. Yeah, and I guess the inverse of being the bottom and feeling an assurance that the top is doing exactly what they want to you, the appeal for the top in this scenario is I get to do exactly the thing that I want and have mm-hmm. the, the thing exactly the way that I want it. Mm-hmm. And this person is experiencing my pure yeah. desire mm-hmm. for them, which is hot. Yeah. So what advice do you have for someone who has a consensual non-consent fantasy mm-hmm. and or desire to play it out in a scene with a partner? What advice do you have for them about how to approach it? Mm-hmm. I think that... Understanding where it comes from and where where the desire is is a really good place to start. Yeah. And also with yourself, I think like many things, the best way to figure that out is to get some practice on your own, mm-hmm. um, fantasizing on your own, masturbating, mm-hmm. seeing with that where it goes in your head. And if you have a partner who you feel like you can talk about this with having very long conversations in a non-sexual space about yeah. this yeah. I think would be great if you're if you're dating someone or you're sleeping with someone who you're feeling a little nervous about how to bring this up which mm. I think is probably more common than mm. the the other is to find a way of discussing it that isn't going to bring up a lot of shame for either of you about wanting it, right? So, like, mm. normalizing it for the other person, explaining where it comes from for you, what you think would be really hot about it, where, yeah, just, like, where the desire comes from and being really prepared that a lot of people are not going to be interested, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people will be. Um, yeah. And I think that if if it's bumping up against your trauma or you're concerned, it's going to bump up against your trauma to definitely see a therapist about that, um, mm-hmm. someone who's educated, obviously, like we've talked about, because your partner can't be the only person to hold that yeah. for you. Yeah, so a lot of, like, self-exploration. Yeah, and something you alluded to earlier about how there's more of an onus on a cis straight man who mm-hmm. wants to be the top in a consensual non-consent scene with a woman that just like extra uh, Mm -hmm. thinking and concern Mm -hmm. and and care that they have to take with that fantasy makes me think a little bit about how sometimes there is a literal correspondence and sometimes there's an inverse correspondence between the power that you have in your larger public social life versus the power that you eroticize in your private sexual life. 
I guess my I guess my question for you might be like, how do you think that these fantasies are different for people who have relative power in yeah. our society and people who don't? Mm-hmm. And and in particular, like if in the fantasy they want to have power over mm-hmm. someone who actually has less literal power than they do yeah. in society. Like, for example, a cis man wanting to overpower a woman of any kind mm-hmm. sexually. Yes. Like, how is that different yeah. from women wanting to overpower one another or men wanting mm-hmm. to overpower one another yeah. or, you know, also and with other intersectional manifestations of right. power, like yeah. with regards to race and mm-hmm. with regards to to, to class and, uh, you know, cis people and trans people and mm-hmm. straight people and queer people. And yeah. Yeah. I think something that's very important for that particular dynamic is that if you are a cis man and this is something that you're interested in, to understand the psychic impacts on your partner of patriarchy and mm-hmm. that you may bring it up and they may be like, yeah, let's do it. But that may be informed by them sort of being conditioned to always being wanting to like please mm. their partner or be a good woman, right? Yeah. So like holding space for all of that and and make and knowing your partner well enough to know if they want it or if they're um, like just trying to do something to be good to you. So like that is, that's more about like, really exploring a relationship and understanding where the desire may come from for your partner too. Mm -hmm. And then also if you're a cis man and your cis woman partner brings this to you to respect that as her fantasy. Yeah. um, I think that's really, really important and kind of just like, how can you be the best top for this for her? Yeah. Um, And I think in that particular power dynamic to help her feel like she has the most agency and control possible within it. Yeah. And having having it be a, largely for her, right? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, something that I've been thinking about now that you've got me like reconditioned to like think about uh, how things are embodied. Um good job. <laughs> it took you approximately 45 minutes. Um <laughs> uh it also uh, maybe like one good technique for this is to is to practice empathy in in the truest sense of the word of like really thinking about like how do you fantasize or imagine that this is going to feel for your partner mm-hmm. and having that conversation with your partner mm-hmm. like like if you have a fantasy of ravishing someone mm-hmm. and your fantasy is all about like how you're going to feel powerful and how it's going to feel for you right. to like stick your dick in that person and like have your way with them or kidnap them and lock them in a cage it, like imagining like what like what could they possibly get out of it yes and yeah. thinking to you know and and using that as like as as a guide because mm-hmm. if you're thinking like right you're in this particular scenario of a like seemingly straight cis couple yeah your lady partner already feels this way every single fucking day. Right. How is this going to be different? Right. Right. And what is, how can this feel good for her versus repetitive mm. or re, re-traumatizing yeah. or triggering? I think that's important. And then also in talking about different, how this can play out differently, if this is between two dykes, for example, like yeah. for the bottom, like if your partner is a survivor, like what is it going to, or just like she's a woman in the world, right? Sure. What is it going to feel like for her to be doing this to you and how can you 
tops need aftercare too. True. Right? So like how can you take care of her afterwards? And and same can be said about any other top, right? But like in particular with this, mm. it's really heavy stuff. And like both people are going to need a lot of care, not just the bottom. Well, that is extremely good advice. And going back to what you were saying about cis men who might have fantasies of, of being dominant in this scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also, I, I've had frustrating experiences of asking for, of, of, of like mm. having the fantasy of like being ravished and asking for that from a man mm-hmm. and having the man be like, I can't, I can't go there. I can't give that to you right. because I don't want to disrespect you. And, you know, if, if somebody... You know, tops need aftercare, and also tops are allowed to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, obviously, I respect anybody that like doesn't want to do those things with me. Right. But if their hesitance comes from a place of not being willing to engage with me, then then like I. Uh, no, I understand. It's like they're allowed to have their boundaries and also like don't assume that like you don't need to protect me. Exactly. Right? Like if I'm asking for this, I've probably fucking thought a lot about it. It's a really, really good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. And actually – and again, to be like – right. So saying like I'm not comfortable with this because of these reasons that I've d- d- like done lots of thinking about is one thing or to another different thing is be like, oh – uh, I don't know, like, are you sure? Or like, yeah, I don't want to hurt you in this way. Like, I, you know, the to trust your bottom. Yeah. <laughs> trust that your bottom's thought a lot about this. Yeah, yeah. And like, if somebody says, I don't want to hurt you to someone who's saying, hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just, th- this is why I think conversations like this are so important and sort of unpacking these paradoxes are so important because I want in my partners people who understand the difference between between consent and consensual non-consent uh, yeah. and uh, and non-consent and consensual non-consent. I want people who understand the difference between me saying uh, me saying like hurt me uh, in a figurative way, like mm-hmm. you know, like uh, spank me or tie me up or call me a slut, like mm-hmm. any any of the any of these things versus like actually like harming me. Yes. Um. And yes understanding the difference and like consent is the element that creates the difference but that's also not black and white because no this is yeah this is a really important segue into the difference between emotional and physical and sexual abuse and consensual non-consent or a ds dynamic right so like let's go there (laughs) what is the what is the difference between bdsm and abuse right so it's very similar to setting the scene what it's a difference between rape and consensual non-consent is mm-hmm. consent and negotiation. And both p- people have discussed this or peoples have discussed this at length. They understand the desire around it, the boundaries of it. Yeah. If your kink is to be humiliated mm. and your partner is out at a bar making fun of you in a way that doesn't feel hot, that's abuse, right? Totally. That's outside of the – and even if you're in a 24-7 DS relationship, that's different, right? Totally. So, like, being called, like, stupid or, like, a dumb little girl or a slut – within the dynamic when it is appropriate is one thing. And that person making you feel that way all the time in a way that isn't consensual is not okay. Totally. You, If your partner doesn't respect when you need to 
get out of that dynamic, right? Like it, mm. if you need a break, if the context has shifted, if you get triggered and you need them to come out of it with you and they can't, like that's not okay too. Yeah. And I think another thing with consensual non-consent is this isn't to look back on sexual assault or on sexual trauma and be like, oh, wow, like, well, I'm into this, so maybe that person picked up on that, and that's what that was. Oof, yeah, no. that's not what we're talking So that doesn't include consent, and if that scenario didn't, again, being very attuned to your body, if that didn't sit well with you, then it wasn't okay. I think the thing that we also have to talk about when we talk about all of this is that when you make the decision to play out a consensual non-consent scene— You're taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And you can, the fundamentals of BDSM are consent and negotiation Mm -hmm. and creating a structure Mm -hmm. and creating a mutual understanding and and creating a a code, right? Like like saying, okay, for this period of time, Mm -hmm. no is going to mean yes, but I have a safe word and that safe word is Hippopotamus and hippopotamus right. is the word that actually yeah. means no. Mm-hmm. That is the fundamentals of BDSM, and mm-hmm. the reasons that we do it are for pleasure, for healing, for whatever ways w- ways we want, as long as everybody involved is a consenting adult. And the idea behind that is to is to let loose and to lose ourselves mm-hmm. in those scenes because we've negotiated them beforehand, but there's always the possibility that we are going to make mistakes and that we are going to, while we're playing with fire, that we're going to get burned or Mm -hmm. burn each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important for people, you know, this is why in harm reduction we talk about making risk-aware assessments. And when we talk about safer Mm -hmm. sex, we're not saying like, well, we've created a safe space. And if you are offended within this safe space, like that's your problem. That's why we say safer. And that's why we say risk-aware assessment and why we say harm reduction, not harm uh, getting rid of all harm. Right. What is it going to look like if your partner is triggered? Yeah. So like, no, you have to know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is it? And and what is it going to look like if what what does it look like to retract consent? Because it's a very important thing that Mm -hmm. we are trying to talk about in in the world right now. Like, what does it like the fact that you are entitled to change your relationship to the consent in a scene at any point, Mm -hmm. at any point? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, and what does it mean if you are at the top in that scenario and mm-hmm. the bottom says, I don't consent to this anymore? Like, how how do you react? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's a rhetorical question, but, like, I think it's important for this, for us to talk about this because sometimes I feel like people say, well, BDSM is so great because you talk about everything extensively ahead of time and then you, like, you negotiate and you have a safe word. Then once you go into that, like, abuse isn't possible because you've negotiated <laughs> and that's just, that's just false. That's right. just not correct. Yeah. Abuse is possible within BDSM mm-hmm. and sometimes it's harder for people to yeah, – to, to know the difference and to and to, to, to speak up because, again, they may feel shame mm-hmm. that they – created this scenario or asked Mm -hmm. for it and that's why I just I I want us to continue to have conversations about being able to like 
to understand mm-hmm. the difference because I don't want us all to like walk around on eggshells and like right. not like let go and not do things that are dark and not do things that mm-hmm. are edgy and dangerous and scary. Like I want to be scared yeah. <laughs> by sex. Right, <laughs> like, right. Um, yes. And actually, if you are dating a survivor, yeah. this is and, – and you are interested in this. Wow, what an amazing way to get to understand – your partner's triggers mm. and how you can take care of your partner as a supportive partner of a survivor. It's not to say this is like the way to do it, but like if you're going to play with fire, you do have to be very prepared to know how to care for the person um, or yourself and what that's going to look like if things go too far. And so it's it's kind of an invitation to become even more attuned to your partner's experience. Also, like, understand how fire works. Like, understand, like, what's flammable. You know what I mean? Uh, like, Yes. Right. And so that's another thing is, like, this is a trigger that is off limits. This is a trigger that I want to play with. And, like, let's be prepared for how you can how we can take care of each other or what I may need if, like, that doesn't actually feel good. Yeah. If you're ever dating a survivor, knowing what their triggers are and how you can support them if they get triggered and what coping works for them is incredibly important. Totally. Mm-hmm. Why go through – why go to the trouble of all of this negotiation? Like, what, mm-hmm. are, what are we trying to – what are we trying to get at? Mm. Why is it worth it? Yeah. And how can, you know, maybe people think think rape fantasies and they think of, I don't know, fucking Bob from Twin Peaks, right? Like the mm-hmm. the scary, the scary villainous stranger that like mm-hmm. crawls up into your window or like pops out of the bushes, right. dehumanizes you, does violent things to you. First of all, that's not where most consent violations actually happen. Most mm-hmm. of it is intimate With partner it, yeah. violence, right? Yes. And... Maybe your fantasies are more like Bob from Twin Peaks because that is, in a lot of cases, like more of a fiction than the dark reality of what Mm -hmm. consent violations that are actually traumatizing to us are like. But maybe you are eroticizing intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are eroticizing frat parties. Maybe you are Mm -hmm. eroticizing... Serial killers or monsters or beasts, like creatures, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, just for example. Um, <laughs> you mentioned being kidnapped and locked in a cage, right? <laughs> that obviously is as much of a consent violation mm-hmm. as like yeah, rape in maybe the strictest sense mm-hmm. of the word. What are some other scenarios that are playing with consent? And I guess like the reason that I ask this mm-hmm. is to say that there are lots of gradients of intensity that you can play with if you're interested in this like if you're interested in it you don't have to go directly to right you don't have to go to 10 right you don't have to go to 10 yeah like right level one is like your partner holding you down totally. a little bit, right? Totally. Um, like resisting a little bit. Right. I mean, any bondage ultimately yeah. is a non-consent Absol- fantasy. Absolutely. Right. Or um, I mean, not necessarily. I guess sometimes it's a, a, a lot a lot of bondage dynamics. It's about not being in control. That's, That's and, right. And that is, that is consensual non-consent is you are giving someone else the control. Right. And mm-hmm. same with sadomasochism, any manifestation yeah. of, of sadomasochism, mm-hmm. you know, he hit me and it felt like a kiss, right? But they, not in that fucked up way of that song, yeah. but in in the sense of like I, you know, and this is why I always put it like I asked him to hit me, so mm-hmm. it felt like a kiss, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes, I think that it is a spectrum, and that a lot of times when people think about consensual non-consent, they think of like the worst possible thing they can think of, and right. that's that's always what it is, and that's that's absolutely not true. Yeah. 
I think it is so understandable that we would try and make sense of this phenomena through sex. It's a lot of what sex mm. is about is understanding things ourselves and is similar to reclaiming the word dyke or queer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It is reclaiming this experience that is a very universal experience for a lot of people. Yeah, and either then, that, like the like the like actually experiencing it, mm-hmm. or the fear of yes. the experience. Yes, or the first time, right? Hearing about sex for the first time through rape, which is really common. Yeah, I mean, I in middle school, all of the girls had to take a how not to get raped class, while all the boys took a yeah. survival skills class. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, when you're a hormonal 13-year-old, you're going to develop some fantasies about that. That makes sense, right? Totally. We are made to feel powerless non-consensually all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to... Take the power back. Take the power back. Yeah. We will do a lot of different creative things to feel in control. Yeah. Um, A lot of... This is really different, and now we're talking about abuse, but in... Mm. Abusive relationships, people, right, like, oh, I, I started that fight, right? Like the, and it's like, it's my fault. Well, actually, like, it's in the survivor's best interest to, you know, be the one that chooses when the violence happens. Mm. And so if people are like, well, takes two to tango, I started that fight, or like, I instigated that. Like, that's a very common thing to happen within abusive relationships because then it's on your terms. It's a way for the survivor to get some power back. Yeah. Which the same could be said in a consensual situation, right? Like, uh, I'm now choosing when this happens to me. This has happened to me. This could happen to me. Now it's going to happen to me when I want it to. So going back to this topic, if you are a kinky person and you are playing with any power dynamic in your relationship, what are some signs that you that that things are veering from mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. BDSM into unhealthy abusive mm-hmm. dynamics. Yeah. I, it has a lot to do with boundaries. Mm-hmm. If your partner doesn't respect them, crosses them, makes you feel crazy for asking for things, mm-hmm. blames you, makes you feel responsible for their entire emotional experience. Mm takes things farther than you want them to go, is coercive, is <laughs> plays out the dynamic in ways or around people that it's not appropriate. For example, with money mm. um, or with domestic labor or in front of family members, in front of friends, in a way that's not negotiated or consensual. Mm-hmm. Um, if your partner doesn't know the boundaries of the dynamic and isn't able to get out of it to work through some maybe more difficult things. And like, for example, like, You can't always bring that persona into a fight or into a conversation to renegotiate boundaries. If you're renegotiating boundaries with, like, a dominant partner, they should not be dominating you in that conversation. So this is a loaded question. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about the possibility of meaningful consent within a Mm 24-7 dynamic? By which I mean the idea behind... A 24-7 dominant yeah. and submissive dynamic is that it's 24-7. There is mm-hmm. no time of the day or week in which mm-hmm. you are not playing or mm-hmm. that you are not within that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like the and, and a lot of people really crave this. A lot of mm-hmm. people crave mm-hmm. complete 
control, yeah. to quote The Clash. And I'm not sure if that's what they were talking about, but <laughs> or, or even people who like say they want to play without safe words or yeah, blanket consent, right? Like, mm-hmm. Or what do you think about playing mm-hmm. with the that sort of absolutism? Well, yeah, I, it is really complicated, but I think you you negotiate the boundaries, hopefully, God, hopefully, of that relationship, right? Right. There is an initial conversation in which you give up that power, right, and you give it to someone. And boundaries shift and change and people grow. We are not the same people we were at the start of that relationship. Totally. And so I think saying like, and there's a way to make it hot even. Like. Totally. You know, it doesn't have to be a serious conversation where like, okay, we're jumping out of these roles, right? It can be very, be a part of it, right? Like you make me feel so owned and I fucking love that. And what would make me feel even more owned is blank. Or like, Mm. you know, I've changed my mind about this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's really healthy to renegotiate boundaries, even in a 24-7 dynamic. And if you give blanket consent, like, and nothing comes up for you, like, great. I doubt that that's going to happen. Um, And that can still be, like, blanket consent with a couple of, like, footnotes on it, right? Like, you you can make it whatever you need it to be. And I think that it, it is absolutely the top's responsibility to be checking in about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because if... Part of what you're trying to create is that dynamic of totally letting go. Then that means that somebody is, to a certain degree, always in that subspace dynamic of mm-hmm. like wanting to wanting to please. And so, yeah, this is mm-hmm. a case in which, like, if you're going to be a dominant in a 24/7 relationship, like, there might be like more pressure on you to like recognize like when you need aftercare. Like, you might have mm-hmm. to advocate for your own yes. aftercare. I don't know. I feel like I could see a top being like, oh, no, I've changed my mind about this or I want to renegotiate, but I don't want to, like, disappoint my bottom who is, like, looking up to me as, like, a goddess who Mm -hmm. always has all the answers, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's about being attuned to your partner, right? Like, sensing and knowing what it looks like when things are not okay or things need to shift. And that's for both the top and the bottom. What are some other hot consensual non-consent scenes that you can Mm. think of? Oh, my gosh. I think a very popular one is, like, a mommy-daughter or, like, daddy-girl. That's very common. Babysitter. Oh, I love a babysitter. Uh Yeah. Um, Teacher. A lot of, like, authority Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. roles. Yeah, those are really common and are oftentimes not even necessarily right the person's experience. And it's just, like, these archetypes, like, playing into an archetype. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. There is definitely some, like, really juicy, nerdy ones, right, in, like, fan fiction. Sure. Because <laughs> um, you mentioned Star Wars earlier, so I'm thinking about, right? Like, yeah. Some, it, like, getting to be a character. That's such a, I think, a really safe way to come into this is, like, not being yourself, right? Right, right, right. So, like, right. you are, for example, <laughs> <laughs> like, Hermione Granger. Sure. And, like, your top is, for example, Professor Snape, right? <laughs> it's, like, that's such a safe way to come into this. Like, you know, it's these, like, these roles that we know really well and that we love and that aren't us. <laughs> and there's, like, fun ins there. What are some hot ones that you can think of or interesting? Oh, uh, um... Hmm. I mean, I think I mentioned parties. It's interesting that a lot of the time when you say, when one says gangbang, 
that is very evocative of non-consent to people, even yeah. though mm-hmm. five people topping, like sexually topping someone doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to have a fantasy of violation mm-hmm. or a fantasy of coercion. It can just be about that that physical yeah. power and like all of that like attention mm-hmm. and desire on the bottom, like coming from so many different people and also just like physically what like let's say five people can do mm-hmm. like with your body that one person is, you know, the strongest like single person is like not capable of like manipulating or like mm-hmm. moving your body around in, in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, the like consensual non-consent gangbangs, right? The like sports team is like a very fun one or like, oh my God, like pack of older girls at a sleepover. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Or your babysitter and all of her friends. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the, uh, surprising no one. <laughs> I I have like an almost famous style groupie fantasy about, you know, sometimes it's more about overpowering, but also sometimes it's, I like don't even know if you would call this consensual non-consent. The idea of just being like passed around mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. shown off. Yeah. In a way, and where you're like, oh, I like don't know if I'm comfortable with this, but I like really want to impress mm-hmm. all of these like cool rock stars. So I'm just gonna like go along with it, and like all mm-hmm. of my sexual experiences are just gonna be about being useful to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then feeling special. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I specifically eroticize the things that are fucked up about the experience. You know, it's like I, I just like totally. want to give permission to people, like yes. that it doesn't have to be like take all of the things that are gross or uncomfortable out of it and then mm-hmm. enjoy it. Anecdotally, in my experience, eroticizing that has helped me to understand it and been healing and helps me to recognize when people are yes. When people are are doing that to me, it like it has like sort of broken the the like patriarchal spell over me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? right? And I like don't put up with that mm-hmm. from people mm-hmm. the way that I used to before I started to turn it into a sex game. Absolutely. Yes, being like I want to feel owned and used and worthless and humiliated and like all of these things, you will know when that feels good and when that is not fucking okay. Yeah. And that is your like protection spell against that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. In the past, you may have been with people or stayed with people who brought that up in you because that's how they treated you. And that can be really healing like, oh, shit, that's why I stayed with that person. Totally. Right? And I didn't know what I know now, which is that you can get that without abuse, right? Like Exactly. That is, that is so deeply healing. And also, I mean, in some cases, I would say it was not even abuse. It was just like somebody being a shitty partner. Yeah. Maybe that is a nice note to close on, that, mm-hmm. it, that it doesn't always have to be like the spiciest most extreme thing that you are healing from. BDSM can heal us from the worst things in the world, but it can also heal some of the things that have just been unpleasant or shitty or not the best uh, that we're like trying to grow from. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That is such a nice place to end. Well, Andrea, how 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 was you really you've been listening to the show since the beginning haven't I have, you I have I have I remember we talked about it yeah like at a party or something like in my first year that I was doing it yep 
Um, yeah, I actually found out about a lot of things through your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And isn't it really beautiful that I feel like I've learned a lot from you here today and, yes. and just in general through knowing you. And how does, so how does it feel to uh, have been a, a, a listener and now to be a guest? Yeah. It f- Indulge my fantasy yeah. <laughs> of um, what I can bestow ab- mm-hmm. <laughs> upon, upon yeah. my listeners. No, <laughs> totally. It feels very full circle. Cool. And I remember there being a time when I was a younger person being like, I want I like want to know about something enough to be on the show, you know, like a little. And then you find your thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it this- feels really good. Awesome. And this is, a, this is very cool stuff that you know a lot about. Thank you. I feel excited for the like hearts and minds that you are going to change in your whole career thank you that means a lot you're gonna heal a lot of bullshit Mm. i can't wait (laughs) awesome yeah so if people are curious about learning more about your work Mm -hmm. yes how can they find out more you can find out more at my instagram at somatic witch you can follow me on a very comprehensive and long, beautiful list of queer and kinky and poly and trauma-affirming and aware therapists called Manhattan Alternative. Cool. And you can find out more about scheduling with me or someone from my collective uh, at the Gender and Sexuality Therapy Collective. Cool. Can you tell me what it means to be a somatic witch? Yes. I feel like my somatic healing practice has a lot to do with my witch practice, that we contain what we need to heal inside of us, Mm. that the earth is a site of healing Mm. and feeling connected, a lot about energy, and that a lot of ways that have been repurposed as therapeutic practices have a very long history in feminine healing practices, which have always been categorized as witchcraft. Cool. Good answer. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 